Hi folks, I'm Mark Fallows and this is the Impossible Network Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast player. And please leave a rating and a review because it helps more people find us. If you want to find out more of what we get up to, or suggest who we interview next, follow us on Instagram at The Impossible Network, or visit theimpossiblenetwork.com. Okay, let's get started. NA World is a combination of... is a self-improvement app. that The app gives you tips daily on how to become more sustainable to how to change your lifestyle to move towards a more sustainable lifestyle uh, it gives you a weekly challenge where if you if you complete these tasks we give you points and these points create an impact score every person in the app has an impact score which is your new how cool you are is your new how many followers you have which is a combination of activities that you do good for the environment uh, how much you learn how much you impact your friends with the content that we we give you and also how you spend your dollars, because we want you to spend your dollars not in brands that are only out there for a revenue, but we want to drive you to spend the money with companies that give back. Born in England and raised in Italy by a trend-spotting mother and entrepreneurial father, innovation infused his education. Welcome this week's guest, Alessandro Armelotta, founder of social impact and sustainability startup A-World. In this episode, Alex discusses how his childhood prepared him, how his father coached him, and how his mother inspired him to his life as an e-commerce and now social impact entrepreneur. Alex explains the evolution of his entrepreneurial journey in e-commerce, how his experience led him to conceive and launch the innovative social impact and sustainability e-commerce app A-World. Alex breaks down the elements of this groundbreaking app and provides insight into how A-World enables companies and organizations to collectively invest in creating a more sustainable future for our planet. I hope you enjoy the conviction, faith and focus of this New York-based social and environmental entrepreneur, Alessandro Armelotta. Alex, Alessandro. Alessandro it is. Okay, Alessandro it is. Welcome to the Impossible Network. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. So let's dive in. We always start with upbringing. You're Italian. Yes, I am. Born in Italy? No, I'm not. I was actually born in England in Guildford, in Surrey. Damn, I didn't know that. <laughs> Nobody actually knows it, and my accent is because I'm half English and half Italian. Right, okay. I grew up um, till I was six in, in England, in Guildford, and then my mum decided to move with the family and my dad to, to Italy, where my Italian grandparents used to, uh, still live right now. So English mother... Italian father. Exactly. Right. And where did you grow up in Italy? North of Italy, between Milan and Turin, in a small city of 10,000 people, a village called Santia. Wow. And you found yourself here in New York all these years later. Yes, it's actually... Okay, so there's a bit of a story there. It, there's a journey, yes. First of all, the most important question out of the way, uh, what's your football team? Ooh, I know. <laughs> You're Italian, come on. Strongly supporting... Juventus. I thought you were going to say Guildford United. No, no. <laughs> Juventus from Turin. Okay. Well, that sort of makes sense. I can respect it does. you there. It with, does. Even though you've got Ronaldo, an ex-Man United player, so respect. Mm -hmm. There you go. All right, then. So talk to me about your childhood in Italy and how important your parental support was, their guidance, um, their direction, and how that helped your journey to where you are today in terms of your self-belief. Yeah, Sure. Well, I think I am a great combination between extreme north and extreme south. I come from this great mix. Um, I come from a charming and charismatic Italian entrepreneur, which is my dad. 
And then I come from a, a reserved, calm, but an amazing English woman, which is my mom. And, and you're the perfect fusion of the two. I think I am. I think I am. Yes. My, my dad is an entrepreneur. He, he built a business himself starting from when he was 17. He left Italy and went to Scotland, actually, as a waiter and came back 10 years wow. after. Ten years later, with a, a, a running business, a big running business. And what, what was the business? He was selling leather jackets from bought from Pakistan. Wow! And sold through England, and he built this um, motorbike business where you, he would sell leather jackets to to choppers and uh, Harley uh, riders. Wow! And he had this idea when he was a waiter in Scotland. Yes, kind of. With a partner, he built this together. And he built this brand, which is actually called Stop, mm-hmm. and was were really, really successful in Italy. And he was one of the first companies to do to ship an order through mail to your to your home. Wow, and we're so talking real about early stage, yeah, pre-internet. Yeah, pre-internet with, with catalogs. He would send you a catalog, and then you would deliver home. And this is my dad, and my mom is this great woman that has. Uh, a wide eye on trends and what's happening in the world. My mom worked actually at Harrods at London. And that's when they met? That's when they met. Uh, they met in England. Uh, they met and then I came in as a project. They moved. <laughs> <laughs> we moved to Italy, but my mom is the one that always had a wide eye and point of view on what was going on in the world. So when we talk about sustainability, fashion trends, 10, 15 years ago, she already knew where this was going, and she always five years ahead of a trend. Uh-huh. Alex, that's a good singer. He will become gr- great. That's a trend. That's a fashion piece that will be strong for the next years, and she always gets it. So your mother was the insight person. Your father was the executor. Exactly. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yes. And what about your uh, siblings? I have a sister, uh-huh. Claudia, uh, three years younger than me. And we're opposite, completely opposite. I am the entrepreneur, down-to-earth business person. She is the actress. Screen actress or stage? Uh, stage. stage. Tell, talk to me about play and the freedom that you had to explore as a child and how that impacted on your character development. Yes, I must say I've always been very lucky. My dad and mom let me do whatever I wanted to do. I wasn't good in school, but we used to travel a lot. So you weren't good in school? I wasn't good in school, no. But that was a good thing, actually. I was very lucky. My parents traveled a lot, and I used to travel with them. And my dad never taught me anything, but he showed me how life would be and how work is. So by looking at him and being, you know, in my early ages, an entrepreneur, say it was when I was a kid, I've learned the day by day by doing things and acting and taking action on, on, on my ideas from exchanging Pokemon cards at school when I was like 12 to then uh, selling my first uh, pieces on eBay when I was maybe 16, 17. And your father encouraged this? He was the enabler. He's always been the enabler. Uh, he never told me yes or no. He said, if you, feel, if you feel right, if you feel right about it, you should do it. So looking back at your childhood, do you have any sort of defining moment or memory? Well, yes. One of my first defining moments was when I moved to Italy, actually. I was six. So imagine this six-year-old boy. With an English accent. Yeah, with an English accent, barely speaks Italian. And I moved to school. I was this English-Italian blonde boy. Goes to school, and I've always been labeled as the English boy. 
oh, the English guy. And also, and I also happen to be Christian but Protestant in ah, Italy. In Italy, in a Catholic country. We're all, we're all Catholic. So I've always been labeled and judged as a different one. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would always stand out for what I do. But this is, again, this was a, this was a good thing because it allowed me to be different. And, and comfortable in your difference. Yeah, very comfortable in my difference. It allowed me to play out of the, the context and the rules and also to make mistakes. And I wouldn't be judged straight away because I was already judged by, by people. And remember that I used to live in a 10,000 people village. Everybody knows what everybody Everyone else is thinks. doing. Yes. So I believe in diversity. I'm a strong believer in, uh, in diversity. And, and also if it helps and if, we, if you allow me to say this in challenging the, the status quo because I've been that different person in a different country. Uh, and it helped me a lot. When you said you weren't good at school, what do you mean by that? You just didn't pay attention or you just weren't interested? Or? I wasn't interested. It might have been me at the time. It might have been the teachers. I had to repeat two years of high school. Oh. I didn't pass. Actually, funny to say, it was computer technology. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is ironic. <laughs> I did my first class. I went to my second second grade. Computer science. I didn't pass oh. computer science for twice, two years in a row. You could imagine my parents, what they were saying. Yeah. And it, it wasn't good. To I you. had to go to school with children, kids uh, younger than I was, which was uh, embarrassing at the time. And I finally uh, graduated with psychology, actually, mm-hmm. which was kind of difficult. But I found my interest in psychology and, and helping the others because my I graduated with a very uncommon and very uncommon subject, which, which was psychologies, but psychologies for communities. Uh, and I'm actually a community director, which uh, for legally I could help uh, communities with people that have problems with alcohol or that have um, mental il- illness. Mm. That's interesting that so you've ended up doing what you're doing now with the app, actually. Exactly. Okay, so what happened after school? Did you go on to further after, education? After school, no. I never went to university. I never tried to go to university. And, straight um, into work. Straight into dad. work. My dad brought me to London again. He said, Alex, uh, we need to launch a website. Uh, we have no idea how to do what it. What year was this? This was 2006, 2007. We moved to London. Should have come to see me at McCann. We were building websites then for clients. No, there could you have, go. Could, damn. Well, it was the early stages for us. Yeah. We had no idea what a website was. I knew eBay, I knew marketplaces, but I didn't know, didn't know how to manage my website to run a website. So I had to learn everything the hard way. So your father just said, I trust you, you're, it's your project. Uh, not yet, I was too young and I wasn't still uh, all there with my mind. I was still, uh, I used to <laughs> DJ when I was a kid. Uh. <laughs> so I was interested in, uh, also in, into music. And we moved to London, we launched this website called Moda Brand, uh, a website that in, in the early stages was selling uh, through all Europe mm-hmm. and in internationally with good success. But the operation and the idea was too big for us and we couldn't keep up with the, with the speed. I had no idea what Google AdWords was. There was no social media uh, marketing at the time. And it was successful for, for the first years, but then it was too big for us. In the meantime, though, I was getting passionate about e-commerce. I've learned the opportunities. I've always been interested in marketplaces, and I always wanted to share my catalog at the same time with eBay and at their coming Amazon. 
and Amazon. And, this, and the things you were selling at the time on the for your father's business, this was fashion. Fashion. Yes, it was a high-end fashion. Mm-hmm. We used to sell a lot of leather, leather, leather goods. No, no, this was already brands. Mm-hmm. This was Fred Perry, Dolce Gabbana, um, Prada, Ed Hardy at the time. So your a father, your father's business was a, essentially a catalog business that sold brands and then delivered by mail and then migrated into e-commerce. Yes, right. it, okay. it, he started with the leather goods and then he saw an opportunity in brands and then he moved into brands. So he's been doing that and he's still doing this uh, at the same time. And I fell in love with the e-commerce and the beauty of reaching uh, out to a million people with a few clicks. And actually when I was in London one day and we were actually wrapping it up to come back to Italy to, uh, to go back into wholesale, I step into a store which sells Halloween dresses. And I was thinking about Italy and how we have a strong carnival and we were still stuck with our uh, traditional costumes, which is which are Pulcinella, Pantaleone, which nobody would know. And I'm actually I step in this store in Camden Town called Escapade. Oh yeah. And I I, you know it? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I try on a Buds Lightyear costume and I'll tell you why this is funny in, in a sec. We laugh. We crack up laughing. It was very funny. But then I said, I thought about it, and, I, and we we could potentially have a business in Italy. So what I do is I go back to Italy. I open my company with 500 pounds, 500 euros. I place my first order, bring it to Italy, set up a website in an empty office on a plastic table, and I was ready for Halloween to start selling. Well, the story says that the month of October, from the 1st to the 31st, I had zero sales. No sales at all. I did marketing, I had. I finally had a tool to sell on eBay too, I was doing AdWords, nothing. Mm. So the night of Halloween, I go out with all my friends, I give all my costumes away. Barely all the costumes, I just sold them below cost. I said, this is not a business for me. I, have, I, have, I thought about it, I thought it could be something good, but it's, we're not there, something is wrong. We go out and have fun on, on Halloween night, we come back the day after, 1st of November, I get my first order. In the evening. (laughs) (laughs) Post Halloween? Yeah, post Halloween. And you know what costume that was? Buzz Lightyear. Uh (laughs) So I got uh, my 70 euro order on my own website. You're suddenly buying it back from your mates at the Buzz Lightyear. Luckily, I still had that one in stock. And the website was called Comic Store. Uh And from there, we drove this business, which actually came the most successful business for costumes in uh, in Italy for the next five years, selling adults, kids, accessories, and, and smaller toys related to Disney and Marvel products. Still called the same name? Still called the same name. I sold the business after five years, oh. uh, actually to a university teacher. Mm-hmm. And I got in contact, the first person I ever thought to, the first time I ever thought to sell the, the website, this person just said, anything you touch, I'll buy it. And he bought it. That's nice. <laughs> after five years. So from there, I went to drop shipping with perfumes and cosmetics. I was being, a, I used to sell as a retailer. So for listeners that don't know what drop shipping is, can you maybe just explain? Drop shipping, I used to run an e-commerce site. I built my site called beautytag.it, but some, uh, somebody else owned inventory and warehouse, mm-hmm. and they were shipping out of um, Spain. Right. So I would just do marketing, get the, the sales. Drive it to them. They, they deliver. They would deliver yeah. directly to the consumer. And, the inventory. and it was it was useful because I learned a lot. I learned how difficult it was to do a, to do marketing and and to have a retail uh, website again, international with bigger brands. 
This brought me into my most successful business so far, which is called Buy2B. At this point, I went back to work with my dad, but in reverse dropshipping, I was the supplier. I was the, the, the company holding inventory, and we built this great piece of tech that was called Buy2B. The retailers could connect to our website. At that point, my dad was a supplier for fashion, but I was also a retailer for perfumes, and I knew what uh, retailers needed and suppliers needed to scale. I just connected the dots, and then we built this beautiful integration with Shopify, Magento, PrestaShop, that connected to our own platform, and we just rented it out to suppliers for them to integrate with us, pull our inventory, and sell it worldwide. And we drove a tremendous amount of uh, money for the first two years, and actually won two big awards uh, for the business with myself and my two business partners, which are Marco Armellino and Alessandro Lancieri. Wow. And this is this was in Italy? This was in Italy, yes. We're back to what, to Turin? Turin, yes, based in Turin. So one of the things we like to explore in the podcast is serendipity. It's a word, it's a word I, I don't use so much. Mm. I cultivate most of my relationships and work hard um, in becoming a better person every day. Uh, I think that to, um, I must say I'm a Christian and I think there is a plan for me. Yeah. There is a journey uh-huh. for sure. I think that today is a gift, uh, most certainly. And every encounter, every person I meet, I believe it makes me a better person. Yeah. And I'm actually thirsty and I want to learn more uh, every day about uh, every person that sur- surrounds me. And that is my serendipity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to stay on the, on the right track and, and learn as much as I can from the people around me. Okay, so let's move on. So this, this business you'd set up in Italy, you were now essentially a global business. I was a global business. Uh-huh. I was traveling Asia, all Europe, and trade shows all around the world. And I come to... Did you struggle with scaling it and just managing this? Because it sounds to me, that that period, the growth was fairly rapid. It was rapid, and you, at the time, there was an explosion of marketplaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody was becoming a marketplace, and, and nobody wanted to do hold inventory anymore. Yeah. So that was an advantage for me. Yeah, you were in the drop shipping zone. Exactly. I have the inventory. I control the market somehow, you know? So I really only needed 15, 20 big clients to dr- drive big sales. So we were shipping from... South Africa to South South Africa, Australia, uh, Mexico, and the States. Mm-hmm. And I used to travel to go to attend to trade shows. Mm-hmm. And I go to one trade show called Magic, which all fa- all the fashion world attends Magic in in February and August. And I meet one of my biggest clients that was Bluefly at the time. It was a fashion designer marketplace. And overnight, they fell in love with what I uh, with my piece of technology with what I what I was doing. They knew I had the contacts, and they hired me as their president, which was a fairly big company at the time. Based uh, where? Based in New York. Oh. <laughs> so this is why I'm here. Um, they they offered me a visa, accommodation, and said, we, we need you to run the company over here. And what did you say about leaving your existing business, which must have been doing very well? It was doing very well, and the deal was that the business would come with me. And I had in plan to scale up and make a global B2B marketplace for fashion and luxury goods. And we actually didn't manage to execute the plan. I moved to New York, and my vision wasn't the same vision with uh, with management. 
And after a few months of this experience, I had to leave the company. Uh, after a few months, I, it wasn't my place. Uh, the company wasn't going the, in the same way I wanted it to be uh, to be going, and I left. And unfortunately, the company shut down after a year and a half. And to go to, you went back to Italy. No, actually, no. From from this company in New York, this company in New York was owned by a very big Chinese company in Shanghai. So uh, they hated me. They hated to see me leave. I said I won't be part of your New York division, and they said, "Okay, but you need to come to Shanghai with us. We we want you in our team." And this is a fairly big company, a public trade company, and I went. I went to Shanghai for six months, and this is where we, where I learned a completely different world, a completely completely different market, a completely different way of doing marketing. I was blown away, but by what they were doing, we were stuck here ten years behind the Chinese, the Chinese trends. Uh, they fairly have, their, their way of scaling businesses is more horizontal than, than vertical. They use affiliation marketing, people pushing products to other people through WeChat. Yeah, and, through uh, the power of WeChat. Yeah, and yes. Platforms like Tencent. And exactly, the, yeah. exactly. And that's how they scale, using other people. And I was fascinated about it because in the meantime, I mean, I was in New York and um, always doing marketing for the, for the companies that I was running, and then we were having struggles in in penetrating the market. We ended up some, somehow with Google and Facebook that at the time were the only way of, of doing customer acquisition. It was very difficult. Now we have Instagram, but there was, and there is still a lot of noise in the market. And Chinese company were doing billions by avoiding social uh, social media marketing. And I find that very interesting. And it was pure affiliation. So just to explain for any listeners that aren't familiar with that model. So if someone buys something on WeChat, they then post it to WeChat. And if a friend sees it and buys it, that person gets an affiliate fee. Exactly, a commission. A, essentially a referral commission. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that and that's what drives Chinese commerce at the moment. Yes, it is. Um, it's very used. I don't believe it's, we should be using the same uh, strategy over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't feel, I don't think that in this culture we're comfortable of hard selling a friend a product, but we, we were looking into different solutions or maybe how to reverse it. And this is implemented right now in, in the app that we're building, which is A-World. Right. So wait a minute. You're in China. I'm in China. Just explain to me how you then arrived back in New York. I left the Chinese company too. Mm. <laughs> At one point, it was um, I've been traveling for the last years, and I needed some stability. Uh, we made some money. Uh, I managed to open an, uh, a small comp- a small tech company in Italy, and I finally wanted to connect all the dots and put all the pieces of the puzzle together to do a project that could that could be impactful. And it needed to be impactful because I've been working for you know 10, 15 years in, in, in this uh, in this industry, and I don't want I don't drive a business only to make revenue. There needs there needs to be something else behind behind the business. A I deeper do. purpose. A deeper purpose, yes. Because I was at the Social Good Summit um, here in New York in mid September. The thing that shocked me is that the fashion industry is the set got the second worst carbon footprint. It is um, in terms of it contributing does. to emissions and yes. lack of sustainability. So, it is an imperative that something is done about it. So it has to. 
so can you just explain because you've come you come to New York you've set up your tech company and you have created this new app called A World maybe you could Correct. just give us an explanation of the principle behind it what drove you to do it yes as i said we were connecting all um the dots and the pieces, all the knowledge that we had, we said, okay, we want to put this together. Mm -hmm. uh, the knowledge that we have uh, and that we had for, for years. And, and this we is the collective. This is all your experience of e-commerce, the work you've done in China. Exactly. The fashion industry. The um, appreciation and acknowledgement that there needs to be something done to make the industry more sustainable. Exactly. And I suppose consumers as well. Yes. And, and also a, a vertical for... Um, companies to to find new new clients mm -hmm. without having to bomb them with ads all day because we don't want to be uh, of course, bombed yeah. with ads yes bypassing google and exactly uh, and we facebook. ended up only with google and facebook and instagram to uh, to again to do customer acquisition mm -hmm. so there is no other way right now i mean there are other smaller ways but not as so efficient mm -hmm. so we decided to move into this project and he said okay if we need to put our uh, funds together, knowledge together, uh, we need to do something that has a, an impact, a social impact, something that gives back. Yeah. And and we need to only be working with the companies that and the brands that we like. And we, find, we found an affinity with our mentality and brands like Patagonia, like All Birds, which are contributing to doing um, something good for the planet and for the community. And we discovered the SDGs, mm -hmm. the, the 17 points. Sustainable development goals. Sustainable yeah. development goals, the 17 points uh, that, the U, that the UN made in order to uh, try to solve no poverty, the gen gender equality, life below water. Mm -hmm. And most important uh, number, point number 17 is partnerships for the goals. Yeah. And A-World is a combination of, is a self-improvement app. The, the app gives you tips daily on how to become more sustainable, to how to change your lifestyle to, towards a more sustainable lifestyle. Uh, it gives you a weekly challenge where if you, if you complete these tasks, we give you points. And these points create an impact score. Every person in the app has an impact score, which is your new how cool you are, is mm -hmm. your new how many followers you have, which is a combination of activities that you do good for the environment, uh, how much you learn, how much you impact your friends with the content that we, we give you. And also how you spend your dollars, because we want you to spend your dollars not in brands that are only out there for a revenue, but we want to drive you to spend the money with companies that give back. Yeah, I started using it this week, and I found um, the most, apart from obviously the, the daily tips, which are really interesting, is the educational piece, yes. where you get the content feed, where you read the article that might be on cars and driving exactly um, and how you can improve your reduction in emissions even if you are driving and not taking a, a city bike here in the city mm -hmm. and then you take a little a little test and if you get them all right you your impact you score points. goes up and it's, it's clever correct um, thank you and what I'm intrigued about is given it's so new what will happen when people start when it starts to scale and you start to have a lot of friends on there what the experience will be like. Is it something that you envisage um, down the line as part of your vision that people would migrate away from platforms like Facebook and just Could have their be. friends on a platform like this where they can both... This is another option. Uh, I can tell you what we have in the pipeline is to develop groups and develop uh, features where you can challenge your friend on who has a better, on a high, on who has an higher um, impact score 
and who has more points during the week. And that will allow you to get uh, bonus points, will allow you to get discounts towards brand, free products, and and maybe in the future also better services because we're working towards uh, services, connecting the app with uh, Uber, with Lime, the, scoot- the scooters, yeah. city bikes too. So in the future, you'll be able to have better discounts maybe if you have a high impact score. So what does this mean? This is your, you have a team here in New York developing this or is it? We're still based in Italy. Mm-hmm. I believe that we have some great tech and great uh, minds in Italy. So we'll be building this in Torino with my team. A part of the team is based here in New York. We are three people here managing onboarding. Uh, we, we are onboarding the brands and, and customer experience right now. Um, the future right now is to impact as many people as we can mm-hmm. and scale the marketplace, which will be a big component of the app. So two questions then. One, how are you engaging brands to bring them to the platform? And two, how, without the use of Facebook and Google AdWords, are you driving people to the to use the, the, the new app? Well, for now, we're reaching out to brands uh, because we don't have the customer, the user base yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're reaching out to them through affiliation networks and we're registering through their affiliation networks and we're getting from them a percentage on the sales and a few coupon codes Mm -hmm. that we're gonna give back to our users. And something important that we never said is that a part of the transaction that we generate is giving back to smaller charities. Uh, For now we're working with um, Photostart, for an example, a smaller empowering charity, and we strongly believe in empowering, where it's brother and sister Sister is over here in New York collecting used cameras, and the brother is in Africa uh, receiving the cameras and teaching kids photography and te- and giving them a job and teaching them something. That's lovely, really yeah. economic empowerment. Exactly. So and circular economy mm-hmm. too. We use something yeah. that was might gone might have gone to trash and use it again. So we're strongly believers in this, and we know that the brands will love that. So uh, brands are reaching out, but we're also reaching out to bigger brands. And second, uh, this is where the affiliation comes in. Uh, the app is built to scale itself. So we will start with a few influencers, of course, on social platforms like Instagram and, uh, and Facebook. But then you will be receiving points and discount based on how many people you invite and you impact. So this is the pure Chinese technique that yeah. we're, we're implementing here. So you'll be able to invite your friends, impact them, challenge them, and then on a, on a weekly base. And then we're gonna reverse affiliation. So what we're doing is we've built a world which is a self-improvement app on top of a marketplace, but it also has a social network. Every person has his own account and you'll be able to post pictures or videos and you can tag the products that you're buying through the app. And if some of your friends will come through your account and then discover a new brand, because let's say you may be wearing a cool shirt or you're, mm-hmm. you, you have a new gadget, you'll be making a part of that commission indirectly. So it's interesting because it sounds like a lot of brands that are these um, craft brands that might be on Etsy at the moment. Yes. This is the next step in the evolution move from platforms like that to could be a, a presence we believe in smaller smaller communities mm-hmm. also Facebook uh, has been communicating that groups yeah, will be the future yeah. yeah, is the future so that's why we're implementing groups too and we we're, we're implementing groups with um, local 
partners. So let's say there is a store, a running store, just next to where I live on mm-hmm. Grand, yeah. and they will be able to have their own group and, and maybe collect money and give back a part of, part of that money to the to the um, to the ch- to the communities and impact more friends and get their business out there, get their voice to the audience that we'll, we will have on the, on the app. Mm-hmm. So what's your vision? Let's say five years from now, where do you see a world being? If we still have an A-world, <laughs> based on, if we still based alive. on sort of the predictions of global warming. Yeah. Yes, if we're still alive, where, where do I see A-world? A-world is a huge concept, it's a very broad yeah. concept. Uh, it's that layer between the companies the people and the charities is connecting the dots. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are that um, company in between. I think of AWOL as a brand. Uh, it needs to obtain a trust. Uh, it needs to, if you're an AWOL partner, you need to, uh, we're gonna vet you. We're gonna make sure that you're sustainable in some way, at least the way we uh, we think you should be. So not everybody's allowed on, on AWOL for sure. Uh, we see this as a new social tool, as a new social network where we leave out the noise. Uh, we don't want, you know, uh, people that are flexing or cars on it. Uh, yeah. We want it's your one-stop place to have good news and impactful news that makes you feel good instead of reading all these uh, media about bad things happening in the world. Just because you didn't touch on it at the beginning about it, could you just can you just explain? In simple terms, obviously we had this. We haven't got a video um, to show um, of a world yet, but we'll post it in the show notes. Can you just explain the core components to a world? Yes. So what you do is when you land on a landing page, mm-hmm. where we're also removing the first part of the registration, so you won't have to register anymore. Yeah. Because information needs to be free. Yes. We're gonna release the content. You don't. You can access to the content without having an account. You land on the homepage, you have your impact score, which is how you're doing, and you have a weekly challenge with daily tips, so you can open that and go through your uh, day-by-day tips. And then you have a feed of content that we curate, which is a combination of new brands, stories about sustainability, and charities. This is the, this is the first part. We will then introduce you to a marketplace, which is a combination of brands and companies that are, again, actively involving in saving the planet, let's call it that way, uh, which is fashion, which is home goods, which could be services. And then we have your wallet, you have your uh, impact score page, Mm -hmm. which you can track how you're doing uh, we measure sustainability on the three pillars of sustainability, which are environment, um, economy, and society. Yes. And it happens that we have all three of them. Environment, we call the tips and challenges. Economy is your purchases. And society is a social network. How you're doing with your friends and how many friends you're impacting through A-World. So the impact score page shows your impact score, but also gives you um, different options on how to make that higher mm-hmm. and how to invite your friends. It gives you, we, we rank you through levels for now, uh, which will be um, a strong feature for the, for the future because we will give you different discounts or coupon codes based on your, on, on your ranking. Okay. And for charities that are interested in being listed on their world, so they so you mentioned that the brands 
will commit to giving a percentage back to some form of first social impact on their end. Yes. Do they select their own charities or just charities post themselves and then you can select where the brand gives to? For now, charities are reaching out. Yeah. Uh, we decided to work with the smaller charities. Mm-hmm. We are open to also the bigger charities, but we want to keep it a niche for now. Yeah. So right now, um, you're correct. I didn't mention this earlier. On every transaction, the brand donates a part of the revenue. We'll, we ask them to donate at least 1%, and we will donate another percent to the... You'll match it. You will match it, yes. Yeah. It's great. It might be even higher. It's, it's very exciting. Um, I think it, it's... Uh, I, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, that Tristan Harris and others have created the Center for Humane Technology and have acknowledged that there have been too many applications built over the last few years, and Nir Ayal talks about it as well, that are just uh, commanding our attention and distracting us and not having the social impact, the positive social impact on society that we need. There needs mm-hmm. to be um, a change in direction. And I think we both know Joan I at the World Economic Forum yes. that's working on the DQ uh, initiative and the Institute. And they're obviously working to drive better um use of digital technologies by parents, by teachers, by mm-hmm. businesses through, I think it's uh, the platform called Common Sense Media as well. And I think your platform is one of is one of these few examples of technology that's moving us in the right direction. So I yeah, so we're trying to combine it. We're trying to combine these major components all together. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that, that's actually challenging. Yeah. But is uh, we're good with tech. Uh, we think we have a solid idea. Uh, we'll see if the future tells us if we're right or not. Well, by the sounds of it, it sounds like China are going to just lap it up. <laughs> Maybe WeChat are going to be a little bit worried. You never know. I mean, uh, I think that Facebook is on the on the same trend. Mm-hmm. I mean, with yeah. uh, with their crypto, uh, with the cryptocurrency, they're going to start uh, giving points and giving back for certain activities. We'll, we'll have to see if the government allows them to to execute something like this on a mm-hmm. bigger scale, on a worldwide scale. But I mean, uh, we're embracing the future. Yeah, it's really exciting. Just want to ask you about education. It is a big part for us in talking about um, what we talk about in the podcast. In terms of you were in a position where you could control policy, is, and, and given that you've had that, the way you describe your education, it was almost like a real world education from your father. Is there anything you would do if you were given power to improve the educational opportunities for children in the future? Sure, there will be a lot uh, that I would do. Um, at least I think that in Italy, because I've studied in Italy, it's kind of we're still obsolete, mm-hmm. is not preparing kids to what the real world is. Um, of course, we need to go through history and Latin and all that to keep the heritage is, is really important. And that's I'm a strong believer in in traditions. But we need to get the kids ready for the real world. I think if I if I've been if I could if I had the money I would pay kids debt straight away uh, because it's it's not fair to pay for remove uh, all student debt yeah. exactly mm-hmm. straight away is not um, education should be free mm-hmm. but I would definitely act on a few things and and change school at least it, this is my point of view first thing that uh, first thing is education should be free. Second, I would teach the kids how to think because we're telling them what to do and what to study, but we're not telling them to think and to think after the bo- out of the box. I would teach entrepreneurship 
that's something that I think is very important uh, to find a passion. They they definitely need to find their passion. I was lucky I found my passion, but not all many of my friends are, are lucky as as I am. Leadership, uh, leadership is very important mm-hmm. too. We're not all leaders, but um, we could do a better job with that. Uh, how to manage time, how to communicate. Uh, that those are very important. The importance of traveling, um, but not on planes. <laughs> not on planes, not on planes with <laughs> sustainable transportation. Uh, I would teach them business because we're not all good at managing. We Nobody taught us to manage money and a business, but most important is um, facing failure. Yeah, um, I've been lucky because I failed a lot. I've been allowed to fail a lot as an entrepreneur and we have to learn from it. And I actually... It's weird in a sense, but I love failure because you know it puts you down on your feet, and then you you learn from your mistakes, and then you mm-hmm. you learn not how to how not to do those mistakes in a bigger scale. Hopefully, okay. We're going to move to the quick fire questions. What principles do you stand by? Well, for sure, um, transparency, clarity, mm-hmm. and loyalty. I've learned that these are principles that I cannot do without. Clarity, what do you mean by clarity? Yeah, so um, clarity from Italian chiarezza mm-hmm. is is not really the pure transparency of a thing, is more of an internal transparency. Yeah. Uh, be open and, and be clear with your intentions. Ah, uh, right, okay. There yeah, you go. I got you. That's yeah. a very good translation. Mm. Yeah, yeah that, that makes a lot of sense. What hard choices have you had to make that might have been tough at the time but turned out to be the right decision? For sure to get to this point, I traveled a lot and I had to leave behind some personal life, mm-hmm. for sure. Said this, I'm always with my family and always with my best friends. Yeah. But I'm still, I'm 33 and not married, don't have a <laughs> girlfriend yet, so. And, and this is the reality. I just sometimes don't have time and I actually enjoying not have time because I'm busy doing something that I love doing. So unfortunately, um, that's the downside. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's only going to be temporary. <laughs> um, where do you go to discover new ideas? Easy, maybe uh, you heard this many times, but outdoor, mm-hmm. I need fresh air. And most likely with less, it's like kind of odd, but less clothes possible. Mm-hmm. Shorts, no shoes, T-shirt, even if it's chilly out there. But I, I just need to breathe. I'll look out for you down on the East River come December, January (laughs) (laughs) with your shorts and nothing much else, doing a bit of thinking. I have to move back to LA. Yeah. Um, Who are your biggest influencers or influences? Well, who and what? um, Who and what, yeah. As a Christian, I always put God God Mm -hmm. first. Um, He's my biggest influence. But then my family have a lot to say in my life, and I learned a lot from them. And also... I have to say a vision of myself in 10 years. That's an inspiration. Uh-huh. So who will, who will be that person and what that person will be doing and and do his any, thoughts. Do you have any, you must have a vision for that. You have clarity. What do you think it's going to be? What do you want well, it to be? Well, hopefully is this, so hopefully a person with a lot of integrity. But I'd say you're a person of integrity now. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I, <laughs> That means a lot. Yeah, but I don't, I wouldn't. Um, well, still with the same integrity, yeah. with the family, uh-huh. and also uh, developing maybe that um, that dad side that I don't have right uh-huh. now, and learning a lot of a lot from life that 
haven't I, have, I don't have right now uh-huh. okay well i wish you all the best with that thank you what's your perspective on failure well failure is important and it needs to be faced uh-huh. as an entrepreneur i'm used to i'm used to failure and i like it i like the pain and i enjoy the ride it's it's weird to say but um i've learned how to step back from failure at the beginning i used to just like dig a hole and like put my head under the uh, under the hole mm-hmm. and i used to take it really personal but i've learned how to step back if it's a business business failure is not the end of the world i've learned how to evaluate it from a from a different perspective and and move on move on with the reality of the situation okay that's a, a nice way of embr- embracing it and describing it who have you met that's most surprised you hmm well, this is, um, I spoke to you uh, about him. It's um, a fashion designer, very big, called Tommy Hilfiger. Oh, yeah. I've been lucky. I've been working. I think you've heard of him. You heard of him? Yeah, I think you so. heard of him? Yeah, I think so. I've been working next to him for the last year and a half. And I've learned how, what I've learned what the American dream is, because we, we know he made it. I've learned how to, how he is down to earth, admire how he's down to earth and just to say a little funny story we were in Italy recently two weeks ago and we have a showroom where we're displaying some products which is not his brand and a client comes over and he's the first one to that steps to the client and goes to sell products to this client and he never stops he is business 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 he is a great father and I admire him because to keep a company that to grow a company that big and that successful for so many years it must take a lot a lot of strength and he is on it so there's a lot to learn from him who's made you reevaluate yourself well i must say um i have this strong connection with my mom and with my aunt uh they are my go-to for success and failure uh they always give me positive energy and support and they give me a different point of view from the business point of view that I have. So, you know, mom, I've been doing this and auntie, I've been doing this and that. And they give me more of a social and, and, and a different perspective that which I need because we're always very focused on business and drive sales and create new platforms and big business opportunities. But life is not only about that. Mm-hmm. You know, when we, when we go home, we have, sometimes we have to switch off, you know. And there is a lot that, that is going, a lot of life that we're not seeing uh, going by. And they definitely highlight that. All right. How do you keep up with technology? Hmm. Well, we try. We, I test. I take chances. With A-World, we are trying to be uh, a trendsetter. We're trying diff- something new. So is uh, by trying every day new things and if it doesn't work you trash it and then you try another and you try another feature and if it doesn't work you trash it and we have to keep an eye on i keep an eye on different technologies i recently started tiktok mm-hmm. and it's fun it's fun it's engaging i got a few videos look with, forward to your videos and your shorts down these forever. i think that's definitely <laughs> gonna get a few a few views it's gonna be really bad yeah. um but you want you want to see you want to say ahead. Mm-hmm. You want to try every every new technology and and traveling through different uh, 
traveling through different countries also helps you a lot. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, I think you've had your fair share. We have the impossible question. Um, what's your advice to someone who might be at school or, or, or is about to graduate study that's got a dream, a goal, a grand ambition, but has been told, ah, forget it, that's impossible? Well, I would love to give them inspiration with what I did. Um, I would definitely say take your 20s, learn, uh, discover a new passion, travel, and allow yourself to fail, again, because it's important. And something that is also very important is don't take judgment too seriously. The, the metrics that you need to uh, evaluate yourself are not the everyday metrics. You're not, it's not, you're not based on, you're not valued on how many followers and how many likes you get on a picture. And the real value is different of, of what you it's do your in your life. score on E-World. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's be real. Exactly. <laughs> the new standard. That's what we're trying to measure. Okay, well, that's nice. Uh, we finished with these questions. What's your go-to karaoke song? Hmm. Easy, but it's uh, Wonderwall, Oasis. Oh, I'm with uh, you. I like that. I love, wow. I love yeah. the 90s. Oh, uh, my I'm God. We're going to have 90s. to find it. Bettina, get us a karaoke bar <laughs> booked in the you, next you don't, month. You don't want yes. that. I need a few drinks. We're going to have a, we're gonna have a, a, a Wonderwall easy. duet. There you go. There you yeah. go. That's it. I'm yeah. down for that. Okay, cool. Let's do that. Um, yeah, I've sung that a few times. After Funnily we enough, down down. Our guest Michael, and then we slap him along. Yeah, why don't we do that? <laughs> as well. Possible network karaoke night. That's uh, that I like. Yeah, really, yeah. maybe get Carmen yeah. or Delassi along. Oh, that will be fun. That will be fun. Yeah, I think that's a we plan. Can, we can then pull out some Italian songs like some Vasco Rossi. Oh, there you go, Liga Bue Vasco Rossi. Yeah, those would be and some older stuff too. <laughs> okay. Ricolata. <laughs> All right. Okay, Bettina. All right. Um, what's your recent Netflix, Amazon series that you'd recommend? I'm not a, I'm not a huge uh, movie person, but um, what I found interesting was Chernobyl. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, it's, it's, really it's good. good. Oh, okay. It's it's short. It's a few episodes, and and good. Well done. What book do you want us to offer? our listeners that come up with the best comments in the comment section i will give you a few um first contagious mm -hmm. uh by jonah uh, berger i don't know, I don't if you know, know that know. no is um i read a lot of marketing books yeah and it and it tells you how contagious marketing is mm -hmm. and affiliate marketing is and what are the problems from everyday marketeer what do we have to face uh, second is this is marketing from seth godden yeah great book yeah that yeah, everybody knows that one and then have you ever heard about um build a story brand by donald miller i've heard of it but not read it very good yeah. it tells you the value it gives you the value of branding mm -hmm. which i'm a strong believer in uh, i'm a strong believer in in building a brand and and branding strategies over marketing i, I tend to separate those i think that marketing is the action Marketing happens when branding fa uh, fails. So you do marketing because you're missing sales, um, because your branding is not strong enough. There is com we see companies like Supreme never done an ad. Yeah. We see Hermes don't do many ads, and they're the biggest, they're like the top um, top trending brands right now. Mm -hmm. So that's the power. Of, that's the power of branding and this power book. Story. Uh, build a story brand is all about about that. 
And final question. <laughs> final question. Who should we interview next? I have a very interesting friend called Roberto Raban. Photographer. Photographer. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, music photographer in the uh -huh. music industry. Um, industry. He took pictures of Michael Jackson. He took pictures of Rolling Stones, Bob Marley, everyone. And I'm sure he will have a lot of interesting stories for you. Excellent. Well, we sum up uh, just to say thank you very much and how appreciative we are of your time and just acknowledge you for um, what comes across in your questions and the work that you're doing with A World, which I think is amazing. And I'm, like I say, I'm going to be sharing it with all my friends over the next uh, few you. weeks. And and just um, uh, acknowledge you for what I see is your authenticity, your passion for what you're doing. Thank you. Your vision to have done what you've done and to carry on with the energy you've got. And just for your unrelenting positivity. Thank you I, very much. Which I think is great. It means yeah. a re really a lot for me. Yeah. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Okay, thanks. And sorry, just just to say, but, but before we wrap up, because this is our, our, our first, I'm an ordinary Italian today, um, but we have a, from a comment in the corner, final thank you and acknowledgement. Yes, for the first Italian on our podcast, besides your producer, we had Scottish people and British, but we never had an Italian. So thank you, you Bettina. I'm honoured I'm honored and, and I'm proud. Very proud of that. Thank you. Why don't you wrap it up in Italian? Allora, grazie mille per essere stato nel nostro podcast. Mi fa piacere avere un, avuto un ospite italiano perché ovviamente siamo sempre più nordici. Certo. E, e di sentire un italiano es, in espatria, in es, expat, in espatrio, come um, si dice in italiano, Giacomo? Uh, espatriato. Espatriato, espatriato come come me che apporta delle belle idee in un paese e che li esecuta in un paese dove certo. non è molto facile certo. fare il business grazie Bettina sono, sono fiero di essere italiano lo porterò sempre nel cuore quindi Bravo. sono prima italiano Bravo. e poi cittadino del mondo anch'io <ride> grazie grazie just go to iTunes Spotify Stitcher Google Podcasts or whatever podcast player you listen to subscribe and rate. And if you like the show, please give us a five-star rating as it helps more people discover us. If you want to learn more or have someone you'd like us to interview, just visit us at theimpossiblenetwork.com or DM us on Instagram at theimpossiblenetwork. For now, be curious, be creative, and be open to serendipity. See you next time.